into another episode of Around the Loop. A better week this week. I said I was hoping for better and we got better. Depends on which aspect you look well, at. Well, was depends, it better? Depends on how you look at it, though. Um, me Oof. being Bears and, you know, really, I think that's the only important thing in Chicago sports, really. The rest is just like pretty happy if you got it. Um, that's obviously a joke, but not really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Bears win. And to me, that's what matters. And, you know, in the game of life. But if you look at it from the White Sox perspective, <laughs> wow, we're wow. not bad. We're not Tony bad Russo, whatsoever. Tony Lewis is just happy to still be playing the game of life at this point. Yeah. Honestly, good thing that they oh, shut man. him down because, yeah. like, they, get, they might as well just get him healthy for next year. We're well-rested. Well, no, have you not seen the news? He gone. He gone. I mean, that was the total joke. I was like, 100. <laughs> like, I mean, you guys thought I was being serious. Like, oh, let's get, let's get Tony. Do you guys not remember the conversation that we had last week about how, you know, he could grab his left arm in any moment, of any game? Have a grab like, yeah, I don't know what the typical like time timetable is on a pacemaker repair, but <laughs> I think a year, a year to indefinite sounds about right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Bears bounce back. Justin Fields doesn't. They, well, did they bounce back? Yeah, they, they won. They beat one of the worst teams in the NFL by, by a game-winning field goal. Okay, and they have a better record than the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> I'm kidding. It was, it was a, an ugly win, but a win is a win, and you take any win that you can get. And in my eyes, this is kind of actually somewhat serious you know, if the Bears can beat the Giants this weekend, we're going to be three and one and we're going to be, you know, in that six, seven seed talk for about two weeks. In the hunt, I can picture the graphic now on Fox on like the middle of November, like oh, exactly, baby. in the hunt. As long as like this win right here just locks us in until mid-November, at least to be in the conversation because the NFC is bad. The NFC is really bad. So, like, as long as we're going to be at that conversation in year one with Matt Eberflus, when we're sitting at three and five and the seven seeds just four and three, we're going to be at the bottom of the in the hunt. That's all that matters, really, at the end of the day. It's crazy that once we get through these next five weeks, we'll probably have these next five weeks. I just said that because we have a kind of mediocre quarterback stretch these next five weeks I think some winnable games outside of the Vikings and Kirk Cousins I think we have a shot at just about each and every one of those um and we might get more wins in that stretch than people thought we'd come out with all year not to mention the fact that we started two and one so say what you want about Justin Fields I think we'll get into a little bit it wasn't a great week at all for him definitely the worst worst I've ever seen him play but the team as a whole is a whole lot better than what a lot of people have given them credit for. Yeah, I mean, to, to follow up on that quarterback stretch, I found the tweet I think you're referencing. Uh, it's Daniel Jones, Kirk, Cousin, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Brian Hoyer, and Cooper Rush. Yeah. Favorable? It will yeah, probably, games. Be Dak, it'll probably be Dak Prescott. I think so, yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, to say the least. But Six and two Bears? But <laughs> like Mac that. Jones couldn't have got hurt at a better time. It's not wishing injuries on anyone, but but it happened. Could it did happen? Um, maybe Jerry Jones loves what Cooper Rush is putting on the field, and uh, you know Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz could be fun. So if we can go four and one. The Bears would be six and two, and we wouldn't be in the hunt anymore there. But let's get serious here for a second. Um. We're probably not going to be six and two. And Justin Fields looks bad, guys. What are you guys seeing out there that needs to change in the passing game? So my my kind of not initial thoughts. You know, I do put some thought into it. I think it's definitely him by nature being a big game hunter, and us not not having enough of those combined with some pretty poor decision making on his end um and just kind of the inexperience of the offense i think by nature he's looking past a lot of these open checkdowns 
a lot of these short routes that me and we watched the game together this past weekend. We talked like, I'd rather just see a, a drive where we go down the field and get a few first downs in one big play. Like I told him, I'm, I'm convinced that big plays right now, they feel like more of a fluke than just things working the way that they should be working. And I think that's by nature with a quarterback that is doing the big game hunting that, that Fields is doing, you know? So, I mean, the stats show that like, Bears have a ton of time to throw like over three and a half seconds um, to throw, which is really good. And, and yet at the same time, it feels like we're being forced into bad throws. We're being pressured, but we have time, you know? So what's not happening? What's not clicking there? And I, I think we saw against Houston, it is just Fields having to take that step. He's going to have to be an NFL quarterback, hit it, hit his guys in timing, find the right decisions to be made, not just always that big game hunting. And um, you know, I'm not completely not, you know, like checked out from this offense and from Justin Fields by any means, because like if he made some better decisions, made, you know, a better throw, especially the one to come out over the middle, I mean, it's a fine decision. But I mean, I think the guys are getting open. This team, this team's pretty good. We just need Jay Fields to be Jay Fields. Yeah, I mean, for me looking at it, I still think a lot of it is the play calling and Fields just has not been able to get in any sort of rhythm. The offense still has no rhythm. Uh, we talked about it last week. And, you know, if there were any team to get in a rhythm against, it would be the Houston Texans. You'd really hope. Um, and we just did not see that at all. Um, you mentioned the inexperience. Uh, but also, on the other hand, I think this offense has the talent, as we saw a little bit, saw some flashes last week. and. Whenever Fields took a deep shot, I mean, it, it wasn't even close. I remember the one, I think it might have been at the end of the first half where uh, I forgot who was taking the deep route, but he had him beat on the inside and Fields threw it like he sailed it on him down the other side of the field. And I'm like, what, what are we doing here? But then in the second half, there was one play in particular. I thought, wow, we should really do that more often where <laughs> – Fields, I think he might have even been out of the gun. He ran a bootleg, and the linebackers drew towards him, and he had two open receivers. The Bears were in the red zone, and I thought, wow, that worked. Maybe we should uh, try that more often. Um, so I agree with you guys about being able to put together a drive. I'd rather see that than a bunch of deep shots because mm -hmm. that seems to be – how we're going to find our success because Fields is so talented knowing that he can run the ball so effectively and kind of has the last, you know, first three weeks of the season. Um, if he establishes himself and we establish the run game, we'll be able to run more of those plays like the bootlegs and draw linebackers out of coverage and stuff like that. Oh yeah. His legs look better. His legs look better than they even were last year. Like when he's, when he is running the ball, like, He's making the cuts upfield that sometimes we didn't even see last year, hitting the middle more instead of going straight to the sideline. But for me, I feel like there's just a lot of things. One, I, you know, I've watched, you know, a little bit of the all 22, which is looking like a bad investment because, you know, you can just get this shit on Twitter from people who know <laughs> me. But yeah, I invested into getting to watch the all 22 film. How and much is that? It will the good the good one the game pass is a hundred dollars a year right now i'm just doing the nfl uh, plus that just came out um and that's just ten dollars a month but i also get like red zone now on my phone or laptop if i'm somewhere so it comes with a lot yeah. more that's great. I can watch like nfl network 24 7 off my phone but um to me he just sometimes looked gun shy we saw clips from the packers game where he's just not like Lucas, when you talk big game hunter, he is. He's always got his eyes downfield, but like I don't know if it if the confidence is slipping a little bit. But he was afraid to take some shots, and we saw some, you know, as well yesterday or on Sunday against the Texans, where you know he had equanimous on a on a deep corner, and it's just like he's not firing that in there, and it's like where's the Justin Fields that we saw this from last year in his rookie season you know his rookie season wasn't great and he did have a lot of head scratching plays but we saw him take these chances on deeper plays a lot more than we're seeing this year 
And another thing that's sticking out to me is Luke Getz, he's a very inexperienced play caller. There's two things that he's clearly trying to do. One is establish the run, and two is gash them deep in the passing game on play action plays. Or, you know, he's looking for these, you know, like, you know, big gains, big chunks, which I get. We all want that. And it is a good, you know, formula, I think, to follow. When you are running the ball down people's throats, which the Bears have been doing very well, it opens up the play action. Defenses are going to come in, and you are going to be able to gash them deep on the passing game. The issue is our weapons are not good enough to get open that deep, that consistently. So we are running, in my opinion, maybe too much play action. We want more play action, but it's becoming predictable for these defenses. We are seeing these defenders pick up. Seems like every single time we are throwing the football, there is some form of play action within it, whether if it's even just a wide receiver coming you know, behind the line of scrimmage in front of Justin Fields, that's somewhat of a play action or faking a handoff to Montgomery. I don't know if he's not, if Fields isn't selling it right, or if there's some sort of get, like some sort of like little Uh tell that these defense are picking up. I mean, we saw it with Preston Smith. I mean, I was fooled. I thought that, you know, Montgomery had the ball on that one where Justin Fields like faked the handoff and he like kept it on his hip that entire Mm -hmm. time. I was fooled. And Preston Smith read that like a book. And it seems like Lovey Smith was sending in the perfect pressures. And it seems like these defenses are playing so well to the Bears' weaknesses in the passing game where fields can't get any consistent rhythm. And that's where Getsy needs to change the play calling big time. He needs to start finding these open receivers for four or five yards, getting these screen passes moving a little bit more. I like the formula he is trying to follow, but our quarterback is not ready for that formula yet. And he needs to get into rhythm before he can start feeling more comfortable with his arm and, you know, delivering on these deep balls. You get him five or six um, completions early on, get him going like five for seven in the first quarter, you know, 60 yards, solid gains, a couple big pickups, a couple quick ones. I mean, that's when he starts to feel comfortable. He gets into this rhythm. He, he's getting his confidence back because he's getting these pickups with his arm. That's when he'll start delivering these deep balls. And my third thing is, I think is that he, um, I'm sorry, I just, blanked out there for a second I went on such a run there I was just like almost you were hot you were hot (laughs) my third thing is and I feel like this could be maybe just like a basic thing but his mechanics have changed obviously and they say his mechanics look great they say his feet looks great they say his release looks great his issue is is that going to affect his accuracy now maybe he needs just just to keep working with these new mechanics that he has and then you know, becoming more accurate because last year he looked very accurate when throwing the ball deep downfield. This year, it looks like his accuracy is regressed, which is not a good sign because he was one of the most accurate college quarterbacks that I've seen in such a long time. So that is a very alarming sign. And hopefully we can just pray that it's just his mechanic change and that he can eventually get things clicking that way. Yeah, no, I think the biggest part is just the confidence, like you said, and there's so many moving parts around him right now, whether it be the offense, his mechanics, the guys, you know, we still got receivers being hurt, but the biggest thing, like his confidence, when we saw that first pick to Petre, he was just like devastated. It might have been, honestly, it might have been the second one, but regardless, I mean, that was just such a bad sign that when you go out there, you throw the ball, you know, you get two passing plays, a series, and one of them, maybe not the best throw. The next one you need to make something happen with and ends up going bad. You don't have much confidence, and I think that's what we're seeing. He's, he's second-guessing himself. I mean, he, he fit the ball in a tight window to Mooney on one play for a first down. It was nice to see, and that was after the – that was after his interception. So that was a little bit of, you know, even just one pass to get going in the right direction. It happened, but it's just confidence. And I think, like you said, you know, get him in a string of a few short completions. That's what we want to see out of the offense. Like, you know, us speaking right now, um, that's what we want to see out of Justin Fields, his ability to do so. So um, maybe that's what it is. Let's, you know, hopefully we'll see some more of that. When is it time to hit the panic button? When does that come? I think no less than the end of this year. I agree. Like you got to give them this year for sure. I agree. Um, next year, you, you know, we already know we're going to be a different team next year regardless. So at the very least, let's give him this year. No, 
no second guessing that uh, one bit. Yeah, yeah I'm not. I'm not really worried about him. I am worried, but not like pressing the panic button. I'm not out on the guy by any means. I mean, the press conference was pretty telling, and that he was very upfront about it. He didn't try to sugarcoat it. He wasn't like, oh, well, good enough to win the game. You know, he's like, well, I, I played like garbage, and uh, it's got to be better. And that's the bottom line. He knows it. And I think a guy like him can put in the work and figure it out because I think we've seen he's a hard worker. He gets it. Um, and also this is his third game under – a completely new system and his second year in professional football. I don't think that's a recipe for success right there. Yeah. Yeah. 13 games we're in. Exactly. Like we've seen, let's say like the Pittsburgh game last year, for example, I think his best game of his career, so much fun to watch. He looked, I mean, he looked so good that game. That's still like the guy that we have on our team. I think it's much more likely that he had a bad game amidst you know everything that's happening with the team right now amidst the new playbook new weapons new coach new everything I think it's much more likely that he just had a real shit game like like it looked like made an inaccurate throw a couple times and coupled with um you know a team that has made it very clear that they are trying to build a well-rounded team and trying to show that product on the field too and shit I mean we ran for a thousand yards last game. So, I mean, I don't blame him for still doing that, but you know, I think it's just much more likely that he just had a bad game than he's actually gotten worse as a player. Like this guy's still young, still getting better. You know, he's still our guy, I think. Exactly. And I feel like you nailed it with knowing who we have. I would take Justin Fields game against the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. than I would take any game in Mitch Trubisky's career. I don't care if it's the six touchdown passes game against the Buccaneers. Like Justin Fields looked like an NFL quarterback. Mitch Trubisky, you know, hit a lot of wide open guys when he threw six touchdown passes, including like two of them being a little flip handoff mm-hmm. to Taylor Gabriel. So um, as much as I love it when my quarterbacks do that, I hate when players have five passing touchdowns on a season because they just go like I could fucking throw 10 in the league. If you put me on there in the one yard line with Debo Samuel, running, <laughs> like I could have 10 t- touchdown passes in the NFL, but I think we're seeing a chip, a more chippy Justin Fields with the media. He's a lot more edgy in his press conferences. He's more comfortable with the media. And I just think that he's really working through a lot of things right now, because there's, there's a lot of mental that goes into the game of playing quarterback. So I'm just hoping that he can turn it around. I agree with you guys. There's no reason to be hitting the panic button by any means. We know who we have. It's just a matter of getting him to that point. But I will say right now with what's going on across the league, Ryan Poles does not look good right now in the fact of not bringing on weapons to this roster. I love what Ryan Poles has done with the rest of this roster but you look at what Jalen Hurts and Tua are doing, two guys that I think are not nearly as talented as Justin Fields with their arm talent, they are lighting the league up right now because their teams have invested in wide receivers. Trevor Lawrence is lighting the league up right now, and they only invested in Christian Kirk and Evan fucking Ingram. Like These teams have all made investments around the league, and all of these quarterbacks are playing good football. We have Equinemia St. Brown and Byron Pringle and Valus Jones outside of Darnell Mooney. And I know Darnell Mooney hasn't played great this year. I don't think that's on him. I think that's more on Getsy. And same with Cole Komet. Like, this is what I would say is the only – like, Ryan Poles doesn't look good. I know we have all liked what he's done with the offseason, but this, I think, in my opinion, it, it doesn't look good right now in – you know, the eyes of the rest of the league. It's like, holy shit, Justin Fields is looking like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Look at what Jalen Hurts is doing. Look at what Tua is doing. Look at, they invested in weapons and they're playing the best football of their careers. So that worries me a little bit. I will say like, should we have invested more in weapons maybe early on? I don't know. I think that next year we are going to go all in on weapons for Justin Fields, but it, it doesn't look great, I will say. It's not a good look on him. It's tough because, like, I feel like Darnell Mooney – I think we talked about this last week. I don't think Darnell Mooney's like, really a bona fide top NFL wide receiver. He's not a wide receiver one. He's a really good wide receiver two, 
but he's just not that big target. And I'm not saying that you, you got to be a big target to be a wide receiver one, but he, uh, I don't know. He just hasn't shown it yet. I don't think, I think he can get there, but also I think if fields and the bears want to reach their full potential, they got to go out and get a bonafide top receiver. Yeah, I think I'm not going to lie. I'm going to have to disagree with Will, with Will a little bit here. Like I can see getting one more, one more guy, you know, spending a little bit yeah. of the money that we have left over. Like, uh, um, I don't even really want like Odell to be honest. I think unless it's like, I mean, if he's really cheap, then yeah, I'm not going to say no, obviously, but like, I mean, I guess actually I'm going to take that back immediately because it'll just be like a one-year thing yeah. who fucking type deal. So at the very least, just get him a toy to mess around with this year since the money won't matter next year. Um, but like we've talked about it and I think it still holds true. Like next year, would we be better off having spent possibly draft capital for on a wide receiver, possibly a long-term deal already eating up, um, you know, next year's cap space that we have so much of, would we be, would we have been good off or better off if we had done a Christian Kirk type deal coupled with a Byron Pringle type injury? Um you know, I think that's another unfortunate part of it. We have our third-round pick, Valus Jones, who hasn't played a snap yet. Yep. Pringle's been hurt for most of the year. Um, and, you know, I think we're even getting better product production in the limited efficiency and the limited offense that we've had so far out of EQ than most people would have okay. guessed coming into the season. So um, I get what you're saying that, like, if we had better pieces, it would it'd be a lot easier for Justin Fields to be looking good right now. But at the same time, like our team, the the changes that we've made, they like they're seriously paying off. Like our defense has has amped up the turnovers, amped up the energy, looked a lot better um, so far than last year. Our offensive line is worlds apart so far between time to throw and and just run blocking the amount of you know rushing yards we're able to put up so far this year it's just it's insane like the difference that we've had so um yeah I don't know I don't I don't really think I give a shit as far as how it looks on polls like I don't think it really looks on him I'm not saying like uh, I fully agree I'm not saying I like fully agree with what the media is saying by any means I mean feel like me and you talked all offseason long about how we've loved what he's done and I'm just saying in the media's eyes right now, it looks really bad. Justin Fields yeah. is looking like the worst and all of these other teams invested in all these players and they're all playing great football. So, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it does. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I feel like there's no doubt in my mind. I'd still rather have Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker right now than I would George Pickens as bad as Kyler Gordon has been. I still think there's so much potential there. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, next year, there's a really good chance. We're looking at Darnell Mooney, a first round wide receiver and, McCole Hardman, along with Valus Jones, like they're they're going to spend money at the wide receiver position next year in the offseason. It's not going to be your, you know, top tier Tyreek Hill trade by any means whatsoever. Right. But it's going to be, you know, they're going to put money into a receiver. And I think it's probably going to be McCole Hardman. And just because he's, you know, he's got that polls connection. I think he's better than Byron Pringle. He's probably going to get like $11 million a year from the Bears, which actually is now not looking too bad considering the wide receiver market is flying through the roof. Justin and we can, we can afford 10 of them too. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We're going to have money to spend next year. I just, I do, I mean, yeah, like you said, I've, oh, fuck it, sign OBJ. What do we, I mean, we got nothing yeah. else to do. Let's just have fun for a year. Like, I do just wish we had just another toy to play with right now. Something and I I agree. EQ has been miles better than we all thought he was going to be. Valus hasn't played. Pringles hurt, but still, I just it's like I just wish we had someone else out there who was just getting wide open constantly or like making big plays. And it's just it's it's tough to see. Let's go to White Sox. Last wow. time we talked, what a turn! What what happened last time we talked, guys? It was what we were going right into the. We were going into the three-game series with Cleveland back, what, three yep. games? I think we were back, back four. 
back four. Now Cleveland has, um, if you guys haven't been paying attention, listeners, Cleveland has clinched the division. Uh, White Sox are seven and a half back on the wild card spot with nine games left. And it's not looking good. Um, uh, it's no chance. It's over. I mean, they haven't been done. Uh, but it's over. I mean, there's no, there's no way. There are a six-game losing streak, correct? Probably. That's what I saw today. I don't know if they played today or not. They're playing. They're losing. Oh, so it's about to be seven, folks. I'll, uh, I'll, I will buy box seats to their first playoff game if they make playoffs. <laughs> God, I don't think I've ever rooted for the White Sox harder now. <laughs> We're coming right. with. So <laughs> we're in despair now over the White Sox. Um, Lucas, we're going to start with you and your team here. At what point during the season would you say, like, yeah, this team isn't going anywhere and this team is, you know, not going to be contending like we all thought they were? Like, where? what part of the season was it where you were like, yep, that's the one? Let me uh, – I don't know the actual date. But, oh, here it is. Let me just Google this real quick. It's June 9th, 2022. I think I know what you're referencing. Um, I know the is that count. sarcasm? Or? I know the count. No, it's, it's, that's the date. I know oh. the count where I lost hope. <laughs> it was a one-two count. <laughs> and our manager decided to intentionally walk Trey Turner. Um, I think until that point, I was able one way or another to justify Tony LaRusa being on the team. I thought for a long time we had enough talent to get us into the playoffs and Tony would find a way to, you know, storybook end it type deal and, and get us to the, to the World Series. But when that happened, it's just so clear that there was so much of a disconnect from him and modern day baseball and that told me that Rick Hahn probably didn't have any say in the hiring to begin with, which I kind of figured to begin with. It's well known that Tony LaRus and Jerry Reinsdorf are, are good friends and have been for a long time. Um, boys. They are boys. They're boys, yeah. Uh, I wonder how they're uh, feeling about each other right now. I, they're probably just cackling in their fucking multi-million dollar laugh room together drinking really expensive alcohol tony's probably going to drive home soon but yeah i don't know it's just you i really lost faith there that the organization was even functional i think if you let a relationship like that control the leadership behind your team then you don't really give a shit enough about what happens with it i think um if if ownership really cared about winning, you would have maybe seen a single trade made at the deadline. I guess we got Jake Diekman. Woo! You would have seen a second trade made at the deadline, maybe even a third trade. It would have been cool if we got four or at least one good player. I think every offseason, it's been disappointing. Um, every trade deadline has been disappointing. Most time around October, pretty disappointing. So I don't know if it's a complete organizational haul and rebuild types type situation, at least from the top, top end, top end of it. Um, I think we still have the talent to be a you know a competing and winning team. So I don't think that the team necessarily needs to be torn down, but um, I think we're gonna have a new coach next year. Um and possibly a new GM too. Hopefully a new owner. Hopefully that'd be a fucking miracle. I'd be shocked. He did it twice. <laughs> did Larusa walk someone on a one-two count twice? He did it again. Like, he did do it again, I believe. Okay, but okay, Lucas, you said that's like a disconnect from modern day baseball. Was that a past day baseball move? Like, has that ever been a move? No, it was Tony LaRusa thinking that he was uh, smarter than everyone else and that 
this is something that everyone should have been doing type situation. Um, it's never been a thing. And he tried to make it a thing. Oh my goodness. I feel like the moment where it went wrong for me was when, you know, Sox fans were tweeting, look at the, I don't know what year it was, but they were like, look at the, I don't know, 87 season with La Russa and they started this number and this number. And I'm like, okay, you guys should be a lot better than 500. Let's not just, let's just not pray for a similar season to something back in the eighties. And then I only watched probably about, you know, 30 Sox games this year. The, the game where against the Orioles, where they dropped the, the game winning foul ball. I was just like, okay, this is, this is bad. Like this is like good teams, you know, obviously there's, I still think they're extremely talented and all that, but I'm like this, I'm like, that's just this season for them. Like, that's just, that's how this season's going and that's how this season's going to finish. And, you know, you got, you got your little juice, you got your little fire when La Russa went down and <clears throat> still probably need another manager. Yeah, maybe. Um, that's a whole, that's a whole different can of worms. You know, I think for me, obviously the season was a, a culmination of a lot of different failures, uh, whether that was managerially performance wise, I think was the biggest one, uh, lack of discipline, lack of focus. You can blame it on a lot of things. You can blame it on bad luck, but you can also blame it on injuries. And I think back in early May when, uh, Luis Robert took that spill on the bag uh, and got injured. Uh, that was bad. And I was like, okay, this is uh, it's not what you want to see. Maybe that was Eloy Jimenez. Was that Eloy, Lucas, that I'm thinking of? Yeah, Eloy got hurt. Yeah, Eloy got hurt earlier on. And Ro Robert got hurt lately. Um, he's missed more time. But, yeah, it was – was Jimenez and um, who already looks bad playing outfield, you know, slipped on the base and uh, locked up his knee or I, I forgot exactly what happened, but it, um, it didn't look good. It could have been far worse because uh, you watched it and you were like, Oh, out for the season season's over. Uh, that mm -hmm. was not the case, thankfully, but um, that's when you kind of knew, okay. You know, it's going to be another one of these years where it's going to be injury after injury after injury. And it kind of was in addition to, you know, intentional walks and one, two counts. <laughs> yeah. Who do you guys like think who, who performed poorly this year and needs to be playing at a higher level on the White Sox? Uh, Giolito. It's a big part of it. Our big, big guy there. He was our ace two years ago, one of the best pitchers in the league two years ago. Um. Now we're lucky to have Dylan Cease have taken that jump, but uh, Gilito for sure. Um, yeah, that was my next one for sure. When he was on the field, he was very bad. I think we maybe seen the last of Yasmani in a White Sox uniform, which is a shame. I thought that was the start of them um, being serious about competing, was getting Yasmani and Dallas Keuchel, and uh, Yasmani <laughs> will be gone. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Um, there's a few Paris. people, yeah. Uh, the second baseman that we didn't have the entire year, you know, just utility guys, the right field position as a whole. Um, defense was pretty bad from the very beginning of the season uh, when we had like a four error game. Um, Tim Anderson, <laughs> uh, I think he was all of those errors. Yeah. And yeah, a couple of things, but I think Giolito and um, Giolito injuries and Yasmani, I would say are the big three. I would also say um, Yohan Mancata at the start of the season. He's performed yeah, he, well down the stretch, but I think if he really turned it on at the start of the year, it could have been a difference maker. Totally, yeah. He was batting under 200 for a majority of the year, and he's one of the guys that our, our core was kind of supposed to be built around. So definitely very disappointing from him. All right. This year definitely goes down in history as one of the most disappointing seasons in the history of Chicago sports. Uh, to say the least. So it brings up the topic. Name your five top, name your top five most disappointing seasons as a Chicago sports fan. Uh, <sighs> your five, 
let's all start with number one on our list. Lucas, what do you think your most disappointing season ever being a Chicago sports fan is? It's it's tough. I don't even know if I'll be able to get five total, to be honest, but because they're all kind of just meld together as a disappointment from from earlier on in life. But I think number one would probably have to be 2019 Chicago Bears. I think that team, like the defense and just the way everything came together, the way that the Khalil Mack trade happened, the way that we were a good football team. I mean, that 2018 was so much fun. And that was, I mean, a historically great defense. Um, 2019, the expectations were that the defense would be just as dominant and that the offense would be good enough to take us past, you know, the first round of the playoffs. And we were thinking Super Bowl, Lucas, let's be honest. We were. Yeah. I mean, we were thinking Super Bowl the year before. Yeah. I won't uh, finish that story, but yeah. And, um, you know, football, it's really easy to just get invested into the, the off season and, you know, how good the players get. I don't know. I feel more so about that than football. It's just like, you're so invested from every start of it. There's rarely a time with like, you know, the draft and fantasy football being so relevant. There's rarely a time in the off season that you can't be invested into one type of, you know, one aspect of the game. So, I don't know, just the excitement and the buildup and then the, dis- the disappointment of it all. We just weren't a very good football team that year. So that's that's my number one. Yeah. Are we doing like a snake draft here or what? No, we're just uh, giving our top five disappointing seasons. And mine is going to be up there at number one uh, with the 2019 Bears as well. That was, you know, I just moved to Chicago. That was my first year living in Chicago. I was like high and mighty like I'm coming to the city you know I'm coming to my city this is where I'm always supposed to be like the Chicago Bears are gonna win a Super Bowl now that I'm here like that was like my fucking like come to Jesus moment like I'm here me and Lucas are going to the opening Thursday night kickoff game while we're both living in Chicago living the dream and it was just the worst season like I've ever experienced in my lifetime. Like I cried probably throughout three regular season games that year. I sat outside in the Chicago streets while all of my friends were just like leaving the city. I was just like crying outside of a bar in Chicago. Like uh, just that, I mean, I mean, we really thought like we were going to win the Super Bowl. And there had been times before that where I'm like, okay, we're winning a Super Bowl. But that year, was like this is this is no bullshit the Super Bowl I've never seen a defense that good in you know my lifetime uh the offense seemed to be clicking I mean we had club dub like there was so much going into the Bears being fun Cleo Mack Eddie Jackson Kyle Fuller all playing at the all pro level like Akeem Hicks there was so much hype built into that team and you know you got Mitch Trubisky looking, you know, like he's going to take the next step and become that franchise QB, the offensive minded head coach. And just for that to be like a full collapse like that and be that rough and not even make the playoffs. Like, I mean, I can't even explain that pain that I felt that year. Like it was, it was bad. That's my worst season of all time. Um, Mine is the 2011 Chicago Bears. Uh, That was the year when – here, let me – I got to look it up. I want to get my numbers right here. Um, But that was the year that Cutler broke his thumb, and um, the team was off to a historically good start. And this is after the heartbreaker – that was the 2010 NFC Championship game in January 2011. You're coming off of that. You're thinking, okay, you know, we're one um, screw up away from the Super Bowl. Uh, we can be back there. And I was, I was all in, uh, and obviously a lot younger then than I was in 2018 or 2019. So it's it, it's a bigger deal then to me. Um, I remember watching every every single game, and uh, it was such an exciting start to the year. Yeah. 
Uh, and then you get to mid-November and Cutler breaks his thumb, and then they lose five straight and uh, play themselves right started now. Started seven and four. I feel like the only reason that's not going to be on my list, Larry, is that the Packers started 10-0 and that year and finished 15-1. and You know, I, I got to say, I, I looked up I looked up the schedule, and um, that season, that start was a lot better um, in my head than yeah, seven four all reality. So, but the thing is about that year, Larry, that I remember so well was like the offense was finally in full swing. Like we just hung like 36 on the Chargers head when Cutler broke his thumb. Like, I mean, that offense was firing on all cylinders. Matt Forte was looking unreal. Cutler finally playing like that with Mike Martz. Like, I mean, I think in the postseason, we would have had a good chance to go toe to toe with anyone because the defense was still young and still good at somewhat at that point. But I don't think uh, uh, 11 is going to be on my list. But I, there was a, such a sad year, Larry O'Bear. I mean, that it's, it's up there. I hated the it. Years. It was tough, man. It was tough. Up there in years. Lucas, number two. All right. So this one's tough for me. I think I'm more of a White Sox fan than a Bulls fan. And the White Sox have had plenty of disappointments, um, especially recently. But I think nothing – the White Sox have done can be the disappointment of knowing you're the best team or, you know, having the record to show you're the best team and then having a just crazy injury happen and throw it all out in the first round. So I'm going to have to go with the 2012 Chicago Bulls. Um, I think, you know, the expectations after being one of the best teams in the league the year before, Derrick Rose uh, won the MVP the year before. You know, still that guy the very next year um, on a Hall of Fame track. If we're being honest, every single person who's won an MVP in the NBA's ever has made the Hall of Fame. So you probably have because of how easy it is to get in, though. Yeah. So hopefully that that trend continues. Right. Shout out D Rose. But um, it's not very often that you really feel like you have a shot at a championship, whether, you know, any of the sports, like where you can feel it. And when you're the number one seed with a reigning MVP, that's kind of one of those, those moments when you start to feel that way. Um, and then it's just looking back to the disappointment of what that meant for Derrick Rose and for the Bulls of that, you know, era kind of just completely changing the, uh, the course that that team would take and the course of D Rose's career, just super disappointing. Um, it wasn't anyone's fault either. So maybe that's uh, a case for the White Sox seasons to be more disappointing, but just with what it could have been and what it ended up being, I'd, I'd say that's my number two. Okay. Uh, maybe it's just because like, I'm like the biggest bears fan, but uh, I'm going to go with the 2012 Chicago bears. You come off the Cutler thumb injury when the offense is firing on all cylinders and you add Brandon Marshall and draft Alshon Jeffrey and you start seven and two and you miss the postseason at 10 and six. I mean, we were thinking Super Bowl before Cutler broke his thumb, potentially he breaks his thumb. You add Brandon Marshall, who he was amazing with in Denver, and you draft Alshon Jeffrey, who immediately comes onto the scene as a stud. You start seven and two. I mean, that's all you're thinking is postseason. I mean, they're hanging 40 points on the Colts week one. Oh, Bears fans are jacking off. I was <laughs> like, I mean, that's all. Probably was jacking off. I was 12, probably not. But um, that's another topic, I guess, for another day. <laughs> but, I mean, the hype was there. I remember Andrew Siciliano on NFL Network. He's like, you guys keep talking Super Bowl teams, but keep forgetting to mention the Bears. I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was all about it, baby. Um, the only reason it doesn't pass 19 is because in 2018, the Bears were looking like a Super Bowl team going into the playoffs, and the offseason was just like, I don't know where we lost or got worse at other than the fact that we replaced Adrian Amos with like, haha, Clinton Dix. Like that was it. Like we got better at running back, adding David Montgomery over Jordan Howard. Like it was just like, that's the only reason it doesn't top 19 in my eyes. 2012, like I think I bought like a Cutler and a Marshall Jersey 
and it was like wearing them both and was like doing like the Cutler Marshall thing, like the <laughs> Cutler Marshall flipping them up. Like it was awesome. Larry, number two. Uh, you know, I got, I got to say, I got to make a change. I got to make a switch um, now that I've done my research. So I'm, I'm moving 2011 Bears to number two because that was very, very disappointing to me and still is, you know, despite um, me actually looking up the historical accuracy of what that season was. Um, but I'd say the top spot for me in all reality is the 2007 Chicago Cubs. You win the division after a horrid season in 2006, really a surprise season. You know, you had the pieces to contend, but I don't think anybody expected the Cubs to win that division, especially with the World Series champion St. Louis Cardinals um, in the same division and the Brewers having kind of an upswing starting. Uh, But the Cubs won the division. Big deal. I was obsessed with it. the Cubs dictated pretty much my everyday life then. Um, and then they get swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks in the first round. And um, that was really, really tough. Um, you know, a three-game sweep to a Diamondbacks team that really didn't seem that good. Um, that was That was heartbreaking. And that, that, that one has stuck with me for a while, I got to say. So that's my top spot, 2011 Chicago Bears, number two. Lucas, three. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with this year, Chicago Damn. White Sox. Damn. Um, is that, it's actually a little bit closer than, than that may have seemed, but um, – between this year and last year, to be completely honest. But, um, yeah, it's just the expectations we've talked about, the talent that, like, this team has shown and the potential that this team had. And I'm not going to act, you know, I guess we're not too sure what the team will look like next year. I don't know if they're going to go super buy heavy, if they're going to be sellers and try and just kind of revamp the whole team or what. But um, it's just disappointing that, the White Sox, this just felt like I'll forever live in mediocrity being a White Sox fan. It felt like if this isn't the team to win a playoff series and go to back-to-back-to-back playoffs in three straight years, then, I mean, how long is it going to be until I see one? So I don't know if they're able to, um, you know, have a really big offseason and add some big names and look like they really want to win again um i still don't know if i'll have as much excitement for the team as i did going into this year you know like i just don't know um until i see it if i'll feel like they're you know as good as i've thought they were and that's kind of the most disappointing part about this season so maybe it's a little bit recency bias um i'm sure there's some good candidates out there for disappointing chicago sports teams but uh that's definitely up there in my top three Listen, the crazy thing about this is, is no, I don't think it's crazy for this to be in your top three. I mean, there was so much hype around the White Sox this year in national media, let alone Chicago media. Um, so, I mean, just looking at it from an outsider's perspective, it definitely ranks up there as one of the most disappointing seasons in Chicago sports history for sure. Um, but the crazy thing is, think about how young we are. And, like, you will look at older guys' lists. Like, I've seen, like, Sylvie's list, and they'll, they'll have, like, four of our top five in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, damn, if we had it that bad. And that's why my dad's always like, you have four rings by the, because the three from the Blackhawks and one from the Cubs. She's like, you have four rings since before you even turned 16. And you have it so lucky. I'm like, you watch Michael Jordan win six rings and the Bears win a Super Bowl. I don't want to hear shit out of your mouth. Like, you're – you have it so much better than I'll ever have. I will never watch Michael Jordan play the game of basketball. I will never be able to watch Walter Payton play the game of basketball. Like the despair in our lifetime is much worse than the despair that they had. The Bears were consistently good in the 80s with them. The Bulls were good for like 15 years with them. Like that's what's crazy about it is like you'll see four of their top five worst sports moments in our lifetime. Three for me, I would probably say is the 2018 Chicago Cubs. Um, 
you know, you look at 16, you think back on the 16 team and they went them winning it all. You're thinking this core is so young and can do so much and win for so long. And then you look at 17, they lose in the NLCS to the Dodgers. It's okay. You know, three straight NLCS, tri- NLCS trips. We're coming off the World Series. Like, it's whatever. We're still all riding high on that. Like, we're going to take it. We're going to wear the L. But just to go out there in that 18 years, start hot, and then just finish like they did, playing 163 against the Brewers, and then losing the wild card to the Rockies. Like, that was just, like, gross to watch. And it really felt like as soon as that Rockies series was over – it was like, okay, maybe this team won't ever win a World Series again. Because it's like, that was an ultimate, like, in-season collapse. And it just, it didn't look good at all. It didn't, it felt horrible. And I go back and forth between that year and, like, 2020. But it was like a COVID year for me. It doesn't, I mean, it was, that wasn't, it was a fun year, but it was like a COVID year. Like, I think 2018 just hurt so much. Because, I mean, I remember watching the 163 at RBC, you know, not going to class like I usually did. <laughs> just sitting in the library all day watching the uh, Bears highlights from the 2018 season and the Cubs losing 163. That was just tough. That was tough. It's 2018 Cubs number three for me. Larry? Uh, that That's up there for me. But I would say number three is the 2008 Chicago Cubs. So they win the division in 2007. Uh, and then they won 85 games and won the NL Central in, in 2007. In 2008, they come back and they win 97 games. 97 games, Gio Soto's Rookie of the Year, Lou Pinella, Carlos Zambrano in their prime, uh, just absolutely, you know, crazy machines. You know, Lou Pinella's kicking dirt, throwing his hat once a week. I mean, it, it was just electric Cubs baseball. And you're thinking, oh, man, there's no way that this isn't the year. Fucking, it was, oh, God. It just absolutely heartbreaking. You know, if 2007 wasn't a ball buster, 2008 was awful. The Manny Ramirez, Los Angeles Dodgers sweep the Cubs. And that was just – that was total heartbreak. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. number three for me. I, remember, I don't know what it is, but I remember the Diamondback series much more than I do the Dodgers series. But I do remember going to a game in 08, last day of school um, of, like, second grade, and we went to a Dodgers-Cubs game, and I think we won it in the eighth. Uh, we, our Alfonso Soriano had a go-ahead run in the eighth, and it was just like a freezing cold game, such a – fun atmosphere at Wrigley and then just I just remember that you know winning the division again winning the central and then just you know getting swept in back-to-back years in the postseason and I'm like okay well that sucks um yeah that's got to be up there let's go through four and five here real quick Lucas give me your four and your five this is we've done three so far three yes all right four and five uh we'll say in no particular order I think you can toss these ones up um last year's white Sox, 2021 white Sox, uh they they needed to win a playoff series they needed to be a good team especially will you know how disappointed i was in come playoff time um just not what i wanted to see um and then number five or four um would be the 2015 bulls um i seriously thought you know that's d rose hitting the buzzer beater um we were up to one so close and we should have gone up three one there's a phantom timeout called i believe right yeah mm. game four and then he tried LeBron to call a timeout they didn't but they didn't see yeah. it and he should have been charged a technical foul and the bulls would have won exactly yeah and then lebron goes on to hit the buzzer beater in the corner so and then that was d rose's last year in chicago so end of an era there kind of hitting both spectrums with my disappointing seasons but yeah you know, for uh, – go ahead, Will. I forgot. I'm talking out of turn. Oh, good. I would say the 2017 Blackhawks are my number four. Um, it's tough to put them on this list, but that core, once again, was still so young. Patrick Kane was like 24 and had three championships, 25 and had three championships. And same with Jonathan Taves. And you're like, holy shit, like this team can win five championships. 
And 2017, you know, you had your your Stanley Cup hangover in 16, whatever. 2017, you got Artemi Panarin firing on all cylinders. He's looking like maybe the best player on the Blackhawks. Patrick Kane and him are the most lethal uh, line in the NHL. You get the first seed, get the one seed in the West, Stanley Cup number four on their way, drop a four-game series to the Predators, get swept. You get swept by the Predators in the first round. Like, that was gross. That was really gross. To, I think it was four. I think that was 17. That could have been the 16 Blackhawks, but I think it was 17. Whatever year that was, it was disgusting. It made me want to throw up in my mouth. Um, and then my five is probably going to have to be – and, you know, I, people – I always see people put the 2014 Bears on here. Like, you really thought we were going to win with that old-ass defense. Like, yeah, I know we were a game away from winning the North in year one with Mark Trussman. But, like, people really thought we were going to win with, like, Lance Briggs being the best player on our defense and being, like, 45 years old. That always blew my mind. Uh, I feel like I'm going to have to agree with Lucas and put the 2015 Bulls on here. Yeah, I mean, they win that game five. And, I mean, I think that team has a chance to go all the way to the finals. Like, we beat the Cavs. We win that game or that game four, go up 3-1. We're winning that series with momentum. Like, team was playing amazing. We're not losing to the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. That was one of those Raptors teams as of late that you see always make the playoffs as the one seed and get bounced real quick. Like, we're beating that Hawks team. And we are probably losing to the Warriors in the finals. But, you know, just the fact, you know, we would have been in the finals that year, I think, if we just get that get that to go our way. Yeah. Those are my four and five. Larry? What – um. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. What uh, what was the year that I'm, – I'm scrolling through the uh, the Wikipedia pages right now. Talk to me, Larry. What was the year that um, – it was another one of those darn Packers games at the end of the year. 2013. Yep, it was 2013. 2013 Bears. Uh, you know, you get a chance for very recent – revenge uh for that nfc championship game and that 2020 or 2010 season and uh goes by the wayside um that was that was tough um for me you know i i think you guys have picked a little differently than i have for me it's more i I think my disappointment is more rooted in um individual game failures rather than whole failures throughout the season. You know, you can have high expectations going into a year and then they can fail. You know, that's happened for me a lot of times with the Cubs, especially, but I would say, I mean, with the bears so often it's been um, just losing to the Packers, not been able to get the job done against green Bay, having a chance to do it. It's like, Oh, this is the year. I think this is the year. I think we're going to do it, uh, and then you don't. And um, that's happened a lot, I feel like. So, yeah, that's um, yep. that would be it for me. I think, if like with you saying that, you could argue. Who was um, your five? I'm sorry, who was your five? Or who was your four? Oh, here, hold on. Go, no, go ahead, Lucas. I, I got to look something up to cross-check. Yeah, my- yeah, yeah. No, I think um, – and this is just being, like, picking one scenario. But, like, um, that would make me think, like, maybe you'd think, like, the 2018 Bears would be, like, a disappointment, you know, because, like, the double doink. But – and just whatever reason this made me think of that. But, God, that year was just so much fun. Just, like, seeing how good – it was, like, we had no idea how good we were. And, like, every single game, just a new moment where we find a way to win a game or – I'm thinking of the Eddie Jackson pick six. It's like, damn, you know what? That sure as hell was not disappointing. That was a lot of fun. But I totally get what you mean about, like, once the expectations are there, it's like, it's got to happen. Once, you know, looking back on it now, like, that was the most fun I've ever had watching sports in my entire life. Yeah. Like, it it was – okay, that 2016 Cubs World Series, like, that tops that. But – I mean, 2018 Bears, like, that was the most fun I've had watching sports in my entire life. Like, 
you don't know how good you got it until it's gone, you know. <laughs> and we're all thinking, you know, Cody Parkey double doink. It's like, hell oh, yeah, we're just going to use this as revenge for next year. We want that kickback more than ever now. I said, whatever, let them have the double doink. We're just going to come for revenge when we're hold- hoisting a Lombardi next year. No, <laughs> please, please give me another chance at that kick. Like, I will, t- please, like, please, I'll do anything to have that moment back. Like, you don't know what you have until it's gone. And we had it good there for only 17 games, unfortunately. That, that brings me to my next point and my final point before we head on. I was opening up the Lucas about like a weird kink of mine. Don't think of oh, it. God, don't think of it. People. Don't think of it this way, people. It's not a sexual kink. Relax, relax, relax. Dang it. Is it weird to slightly enjoy the pain and despair of being a Chicago sports fan? I I mean, for me, I think it's overhyped. I think I think you look at a lot of different fan bases and you can say they're deprived. Um, you know, I think for me, for for Chicago at least, I mean, in our lifetime, we've had a Bears team that went to the Super Bowl. They didn't win, but they went to the Super Bowl. I guess that's kind of the bar. <laughs> um, the Cubs won the World Series. Uh, the White Sox won the World Series. The White Sox have been to the playoffs multiple times. The Cubs have been to the playoffs multiple times. Uh, the Blackhawks have won three Stanley Cups. Um, and the Bulls have had Derrick Rose. And obviously those ended, those years ended brutally. Um, but, I mean, you look at places like Cleveland that have the perennial – you know, but of the joke of the NFL and the Cleveland Browns, um, a Cavs team that won once with LeBron, um, and then the Indians and Guardians, who now have the longest World Series drought in Major League Baseball. And then you can look at, like, Philadelphia. Um, you could argue that they've had a tough time, but, you know, they had a Phillies World Series Eagles, um, they also had the Eagles Super Bowl and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so I, I wouldn't say that Chicago has it the worst. Um, I think a lot of places kind of have it bad, and everybody yeah. likes to wallow in their sorrow uh, about oh, yeah. it, which oh, is yeah. acceptable. I think I that the Bears have it. I mean, Chicago has it good. I think they're one of the top sports cities in you know the last decade. I said that in my blog. I just enjoy slightly slightly enjoy the pain of losing like it's like this weird I don't know what it is but I was trying to explain this to Lucas in the most like non-sounding serial killer way if possible (laughs) like this is some like serial killer type shit to say but like I enjoy the pain that it that I feel from like Bears losses like I think it's just because it makes the wins 10 times more fun and better for me like just feeling that constant like stabbing in your heart of like pain from the loss the losses like it just makes the wins that much better and I think that's why I enjoy the slight pain like when you rip my heart out Aaron Rodgers like and you beat him like that makes it a thousand times better. Like, cause he's been dominating me my whole life. Like, do you think Patriots fans sit there like and cry when they lose a playoff game? Hell no. Like I would much rather be a Patriots fan. Yes. But <laughs> no, you're right. I, I definitely get what you're saying because I mean, it makes you appreciate it more. Yeah, exactly. Imagine, imagine being the Boston kid, you know, the parade kid. Yeah. Sign, like how many parades he's been to yeah I and mean, that's that's insane to me that's it, i've been to one parade and it was the the best day of my life and probably <laughs> will be you know i mean how many people can say outside of you know obviously the three million or whatever it was in downtown that day and there are not a lot of people that can say okay you know they saw the cubs win the world series um and go to the parade so me to lucas right now who sat his Friday in Mr. Becky's class. I sure did, yeah. <laughs> Instead of took his ass to the Cubs World Series parade. But yeah, I just wanted to know if you guys thought it was weird that, you know, yeah. I enjoyed the pain. 
I'll be straight up honest. I think it's weird as hell. I don't enjoy any of this. It's like the teams that I think are good, I want to be right about. And I want to see them win. And the but teams that do, I think are bad, I want to see them play better. But when like I'm they thinking, do, you're going to just look back don't, on this. They season. don't, though. You're saying, dude, when it happens, and it's like, okay, let's fucking see it happen. I don't enjoy this. Let's let's like see Justin Fields drop game. 350 and four touchdowns. Yeah, okay, that'll be great because I've never seen it before, not because I keep losing. <laughs> like, it'll be great because I think that that's something he can do, not because – because Cleveland sacked him nine times, so now I really want to see him be good. It's like, no, <laughs> that's my guy. <laughs> Listen, man, you just don't get it. <laughs> I guess not. All right, guys. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Bulls uh, and hopefully a Bears win against the Giants. I don't know why this game's not Sunday Night Football, but it's not. <laughs> um, so... Uh, We'll be catching you guys next week with another episode of Around the Loop. Lucas, Larry, thank you guys for hopping on, and thank you for tuning in. Peace.